0: You are listening to The Tech Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to The Techie Leadership Show. Today with me, I have Diana Montagnon. She is a passionate, insatiably curious web technologist with a strong background in enterprise strategy, solution architecture, dynamic team leadership, software engineering, coding, and creating the ecosystems that grow innovation. Diana is a great problem solver trusted to deliver a clear strategy and quality development process, building lasting and authentic relationships. Hi, Diana. How are you?
1: Very well. Thank you. I'm glad you ended on the word relationships because that's really the key, right? Whether exactly. we're talking about the code or the people where that exactly. is the key.
0: It's so important. And Diana, do you want to add anything else about yourself?
1: Um, I think just... Because I find it interesting, my focus has predominantly been in content systems, in you know okay. enterprise ways of, of uh, sharing communication. It's a very exciting field right now because it used to be you had a magazine and then you had a website, yeah. and or you had a website that showed product information. But now, information is everywhere. People interact with it everywhere, and so it requires a completely different approach to. Every layer of technology. And, you know, the way the socio technical systems, the systems themselves, the skill set I needed when I started has it's kind of crazy now. Well ah, <laughs> how much yes. how much how many different tools, right? We need to, exactly. to become aware of. And so it's a very exciting time. Um it's a very exciting mm. time in that particular field
0: and before we had the problem of not enough content and now it's too much content and finding the really relevant one and that provides value it's like looking for a needle in a haystack
1: it is and it's very contextual right so what's valuable to me when i am walking down the street looking at my phone is not the same thing as when i'm sitting at my desktop looking for information i the context i'm in so one of the examples I use is restaurants, for example. Generally, if I'm sitting at my computer, I'm probably looking at the menu. But if nice. I'm on my phone outside, I'm probably looking for an address. Yeah. Right? So the, the, and, and there's just so many examples now of, of how context changes the way that you're interacting with, with people. And then also that people are interacting back with you. In, in content, which makes content yes. itself, right? So there's just, the whole thing has become, um, to to my mind, it's become about not just the value, but also to who and where, how and when, yeah. and how do we take these d- these variations and still make systems that you can actually build and design, oh, architect. There's and a lot of
0: work, and... Yeah people that make technology easier and easy to grasp and understand me for me, they do God's work because sometimes <laughs> I've struggled with applications right? and I built some of them. So
1: It's the same. I feel you. It's the same for me where, you know, I can think about, you know, how something works or I can think about the code, but I still don't know how to use um, a lot of the, interactive communication software tends to freak clients out because i'm like i don't know where's the button for this i don't and they're like i'm paying you to do technology i'm like i don't do hardware or whatever this is like i don't i don't know and i did a long time ago i was kind of dragged to go to watch user testing um that we had spent quite a bit of time redesigning um a a homepage, a a, a landing space where, you know, millions and millions of users a day, It's a very high traffic area. And we really thought we understood it. And then I watched users interact with our news. And it was like, why are you looking at that? Why are you clicking (laughs) on that? And And I realized that as a technologist, I have no clue at all. What users need. I need to partner with people who do that work and collect that information and make it actionable for me because I think that I'm empathetic and I am, but I'm enscon- ensconced in the the tech, right? And I'm yes. really always thinking about that. Too
0: close to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I partner with smarter people mm-hmm. than me to help make sure that I'm. Also, knowing how to build things that people can actually effectively do what they need to do with it, right? As opposed uh, to it being inter- Oh, this is cool! You can do this, <laughs> but I don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> and that's that's really important. And since we're starting with the stories, um, let's jump in and say, like, what is the biggest leadership success success story that you've witnessed personally?
1: So, um, so. What I like about the, the success story, right, that, I would, that I'd prioritize to say is that it's also become my fundamental approach. In other words, I'm, I'm going to give you an example, but the biggest thing is that the, as I've changed the fundamental patterns of, of how I approach initiatives, how I approach people, awesome. how I think about things, it, it's now scaling out in other situations. And the specifics is that um, I started um, beginning um, an enterprise-level systems transformation, and it was really necessary, right? Fundamentally, it was going to um, be relatively expensive and not – not particularly sexy sort of like replacing yes. the roof on your house right is yeah. you know it's like it to needs to it be itself. done you have to <laughs> do it but also it was very critical it was business critical and when we started there were you know two of us um on you know uh, technology and people right? two of us yes. and nobody in the organization agreed that this needed to get done it was a world of no. It was no everywhere. It was you can have my tools when you pull them out of my cold dead hands. No, like no.
0: Yes.
1: And one of the one of the big no's was not believing that it was in fact both timely and necessary. And that's in part because people didn't necessarily believe it, and it's part because they didn't want to. Right? They had other priorities. And no one yes. was doing anything wrong. It just was not there. And so about a year later, when I um, sat down with the CEO and we had gone through this, the, you know, a process of, um, of discovery and articulation and yes. architecture, he says to me, I know this is the most important thing we need to do because I've heard it in every single meeting that I've been in. So, you know, talk yes. to me about how we do yes. this. And the, the reason that that happened wasn't because, um, you know, politicking and influencing and those kinds of things, although those are helpful tools for sure, yes. um, but it was because we, um, we built trust. And we built, um, we worked together and I was able to build a team that could uh, bring expertise together. We did hands-on workshops with the users of, of the, new, the new system to give, have them be giving us feedback about, yes, I think this choice will work for us or this is what we're going to need. We made it an engaging and iterative but structured strategic process. Which is what I think architecture actually is—is yes. uh, that—is that change the process of 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 structuring the change, and so um, and so people became convinced, and we I, I personally too learned how to develop a lot of tools in my portfolio for helping people who have very different points of view of a system to come to similar understandings but using either different language or ubiquitous language also i learned to partner with people who i think that i'm very good at speaking to non-technical people <laughs> until i hear myself yeah. back or read back something <laughs> i wrote and then i'm yeah. like nope i'm still taught talk- too much tech so i learned to partner with people that um that help me and are good in the places that I'm, I'm not, help in the blind spots, and also to, um, to bring the, the solutioning and the engineering process in the form of people, right, to create space for, for them to be building the, the arguments for why this is how we'll do this, um, and so the team, is you know, it was quite it was a bit ago and the team is no longer yes. together, but we still keep in touch regularly and, and it's been a very lasting type of trust-building um, experience. And I, I feel like it was incredibly sound and trustworthy work. And that's, that's really the most important.
0: Yeah. And that's what tends to happen if you create lots of trust in a team and you work together really well then you keep in touch even if people go to other projects or go to other companies you create a bond of friendship that's it's not just we were teammates you, you become friends and from my point of view that's ideal to have you know in a team
1: yeah so when that's something because i know you'll ask me we'll uh, we'll come back to this later because that is to me that's the um that's the i would argue it's the only essential quality is is trust and i if you want to have systems and technology that you can rely on to do what you need to do then you need to build trust in the process of creating that technology they go together they're inextricably linked and so i think that the building and cultivating of trust is it's essential to having good outcome. I mean, you, that, if you want to get a good return investment on your technology spend, that's
0: for sure. Then you'll build trust.
1: Yeah.
0: And Diana, I love your definition of architecture. It's the first time I hear this, (laughs) (laughs) this definition, like the process of structuring change. It's like awesome. I like it.
1: Thank you. I, I, I appreciate it because of course I do get regular pushback. That um, went no. It's Kubernetes. It's like it's it's configuration of of the inter of interactive tools and, and thinking, and it is that too. That's that's not. Yes. And I think there's there's we need different types of architects bringing different types of synergy. I also feel very strongly, personally, that architect is not. In charge of engineers. I generally don't work with engineers who need me to tell them how to do their job. Also, if I've not coded in the last fifteen minutes, I actually am no longer the expert on that particular technology, yes. right? And so, for me, it's a partnership. Um, you know, it's a part. It's a it's a partnership in. I focus on how things hang together. I create creating conceptual integrity, how the structure is, how the parts go together. Are we maintaining good patterns when we're making these decisions? Um, But also, that's aligned with the people that have the up to the minute technological understanding of the tools that we will use to accomplish our aims. And that for me, architecture for me as an architect I, I i feel like i i break trust when i then go in and presume that i then am going to somehow
0: don't know how to do it
1: yeah manage or tell people yeah yeah
0: yeah. Well, you sound like the dream architect to have okay. on a project. I, I like it so much. I want, I, I,
1: had. I want a T-shirt that says that. I think I,
0: thank I you. will send you one. Uh, and, and I'm really curious, how do you make uh, the, the different stakeholders and even like the end users, especially when you have the opportunity to work with them, to come to the same points of understanding, so
1: the- unifying them? Yeah. So first is um, I don't always, because there's a lot of, I mean, sometimes you can't, right? I mean, that, that's, and yes. that's part of it too, right? Is, so some of it is um, having good people in my life that can support me when I'm sad and disappointed because sad and disappointed is yes. part of the process, right? Like it, you, yes. you just, um, and being aware that I, that I don't actually know for sure, like I think I'm sure, but that in fact I'm, I'm always learning too helps me to take in what other people are saying a little bit easier. Um, you know, when earlier in my career I was a little more opinionated than I am now, and that's fine. That, you know, a little swagger mm-hmm. is good.
0: We won't start opinionated. Yeah, scenario. and yes, and yes. we
1: love, I mean, part <laughs> I that am. I love about tech culture, like I love working in this industry because we love our opinions. And we'll oh, go yes. till three we in go. the morning debating this tool versus that tool as if it really matters in the context of the universe. But, you know, but I I love that part. Um, it's not solutioning. Like it's not actually solving a <laughs> but,
0: Yes, it's not. What?
1: Yeah. It's philosophizing. So I think, Right, right. Which is, f- I just oh, so close to my heart. Um, but I, the fundamental answer to your question, and I've still, um I'm actually doing a workshop on it um, pretty soon and I'm still working out the language to um, make this more, um, more actionable, valuable for people to take on. Yes. But for me, the So, argumentation, which is rhetoric or a part of rhetoric, right, yes. is very old, right? This is Greek education process, but it is the process of informal logic. So, we use formal logic and math a yes. lot in our work, and informal logic is based on, on inference, but we still have to be using, instead of using code, we're using words, but we're yes. using words to build a logical structure that has cohesion, that is, is, is um, sound and is convincing. And so I've focused a lot on developing that skill as strongly as technical skills or people skills. And argumentation is basically the science of um, how to come to collective decisions when you don't know when circumstances are uncertain and that's you don't need an architect if you already know what to do right that every time we're making a recommendation it's a guess it's always a guess you don't know also circumstances can change and it's technology in in my world and in general it's too complicated for me to be able to to make sound recommendations based on my own expertise right i don't i i need other people's expertise to weave together to be able to come to some sort of something that's going to work. Right. And so because of that, more and more I structure and the way I view leadership is structuring this, this ability to safely and effectively do collective reasoning where we get together and say, okay, this is what we think, this is what we think is going to work here or could, could work here and these are the reasons why we think that's so and then are facts right do are we missing something is there a leap of logic we made right off a cliff like we just like <laughs> gone somewhere else like we're not and then we we also working with other people who when they see it from a different point of view or when they disagree there's usually something valuable in that disagreement that um we might say, for example, we think that the optimal tool is A, and somebody else might say that we think the optimal tool is B, and we're solving the same problem. We just disagree about the val- how to evaluate a particular tool. And that's really fruitful too, because then you provide both points of view, right? So when people yes. make decisions, they, they know what the trade-offs are, right? So, so that argumentation and developing our ability to do sound reasoning. I also am a firm, I, you know, live by Conway's law that the way the socio-technical process will be the, the outcome. You look at the code and you know exactly yes. how an organization has structured the communication about the code, <laughs> yes. right? Like you don't even need to know the organization. And so, so my, my leverage point, is that if you want to have conceptual integrity in your systems, which Brooks says is the most important thing, having it hangs together it, and it's scalable and it's emergent and all those good words that we want yes. to have, then you have to be able to make architectural decisions in a, an emergent, structured, scalable way and not in a, a linear kind of black and white way.
0: Exactly. And I found, I also like studied a little argumentation and rhetoric and how it works. And I found it helped me a lot mm-hmm. in my career and also in working and driving uh, my ideas and communicating them better. And also understanding like fallacies in my own way of thinking, logical fallacies and also logical fallacies and what my coworkers were were telling me and having those tools to discuss them and get to the core of it. So we could actually do something meaningful and drive the project forward if not exactly. it's just it's a lot, it's a lot of talk with no results
1: yeah it's a no- noise versus signal right and i I say exactly ex- so exactly that you know it would be great this would be a great solution if we were good at it, but we're not we're terrible at yes. it like we we are I logical fallacy all the all the time and I do, yes. I can't catch it in myself also I think one of the things I say about these do you know the toy? It, I have the picture of it. Um, uh, is more meaningful than my description. But it's a little. Imagine a wind-up toy that's a monkey. Yes. And when you wind it up, it thangs symbols. Yeah, in front I know. of know. It, right? Yes. Yeah, you know that, right? So yes. that's what I say when I'm in a situation, and there's fallacious thinking. But I can't. I don't know what it is. Like there's something wrong. But it, it's the monkey symbols thing that's yes. going inside of me. And it's it's my. I think my hardest work in any type of leadership that I'm trying to provide is learning to translate that in myself and finding a like what, why, why is that happening? Like what is actually what's off here and and developing the ability to translate that into something that can that can help alleviate it it's very hard because i don't know oh yes
0: it is and since we're talking about having warning signals Mm -hmm. i'm really curious what would be the biggest leadership failure you had the unfortunate experience of witnessing
1: yeah and it is the witnessing that's the that's the hard (laughs) part right and so I want to answer on two levels. Um, One from a pattern level that every failure that I have experienced, I think is related to, to betrayal of some sort, like betrayal of trust of the value of collaboration. um, The idea that many minds are suited to strengthen the reasoning that you, that Argument. You can never do argumentation if someone's in the room saying, I don't care what you say. I don't care what yes. you say. I'm just going to make a decision. Then you have to do a different type of engagement. But reasoning, isn't it? But I I also mean straight out lying. And organiza- the, the, the rules of power tend to um, make duplicity and things like that um, just – Normal operating procedure, and and I I'm neither here nor there about that, right? We're not in a
0: yes.
1: We're not in a discussion about the, the rules of benefits of capitalism or or enterprise. But what I would say from a technological point of view is that that though the lack of integrity in the people system will always lead to failure in the technology system absolute lack of integrity in the people system will always create lack of integrity. In the specific though, um, it, 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 it's interesting because the biggest, um, fail followed the biggest success. They were the same. Okay. So while, while we were moving from no to yes in, in the, the initiative, there was a simultaneous initiative that was, um, there was a lot of noise, and it was really floundering and okay. it was it was way over budget. It was a very leaky boat okay and we were sort of demonstrating a different way of, of, doing, of rowing yeah. together right yeah. um and coming
0: enemies that way.
1: Yeah. And well, also it, you know, the organization and it came right down to it is sort of the organization then sort of had to make a decision about how to react to this very expensive, very chaotic situation um, versus the way that we were starting to emerge, um, to emerge the approach. And one of the things about systems that's universally true is that we usually know where the problem is, but when we go to solve it, we usually do the exact wrong thing. And right, and this is for yes. exemplified for us in the 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 um, the mythical man month, right? That we we throw oh, more yeah. people on it, we add more project managers, so you end up having three developers and four project managers because that will fix that will fix it. No, it won't. Right. And so, and so, um, and so the, these things were sort of happening simultaneously and influencing the way the organization as a whole was going to relate to its technology and where they started to land is more control, uh, seeing teams as foremen and factory workers implementing a strategy sort of made by leadership, um, uh, There was a, there was an unfortunately too in trying to save money. There was, um, there was going to be some redundancies coming, but those redundancies were subject matter experts that were really essential. But there wasn't a valuation of expertise. There was a valuation of of cost and efficiency. The the thinking that if we run this like a like Toyota, then we'll get everything back into into place. Which of course. Is a sunk ship, right? The moment that it
0: doesn't work, it fails every time. At least in in the tech field, it fails every time. (laughs) Every time.
1: And in fairness, I do empathize with how that ends up happening, right? Like, um, it. I think of it. We think of we. It's the same thing we do in life, right? If you have a child that's being defined, or no, things are being defined, or things go, you tend to double down on your parentness, right? But adult working professionals aren't children. And it doesn't work with, I don't know about other people's kids, but it didn't work with mine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the same is true with mine. And she's like six year old. And what I gave her freedom, she eats when she wants, goes to the fridge, takes out. And she hasn't like any issues, like knows exactly what to eat to take care of her. The more freedom I gave her, the more she surprised me. So I'm really grateful for it.
1: Yeah and this is this is when i when i think about us as a collective of people developing our our expertise that we need to have structure because you know the idea you can't architect by democracy like you know everybody gets a vote and we'll all make decisions <laughs> together yes. you know we systems all systems in the natural world have hierarchy but we have seemed to conflate hierarchy that allows systems to thrive with hierarchy that allows potentially a person to to, to To thrive thrive, or, um, or uh, organizations. And that, that, that challenge, that conflation, the, the, the constant stress between linear thinking and systems thinking is, um, is so hard to, to maintain balance with that. It's so hard to, and, and I think mostly because there's not a lot of tolerance for uncertainty, which makes me laugh sardonically because uncertainty is all there ever is. Right. There is yeah. no certainty. This is where you try and say this, well, how long will this take you? Do you want the real answer? <laughs> I don't know, as I'm pushing it to production, I can tell you how long it takes me, but that before, but we can make we can we can work we need in these kinds of information, so we can work together to help set expectations and structure things and um and you know meet time constraints because the world is constraints, right meet constraints, balance yes. constraints um we we need to do that, it builds trust to do that
0: oh, yeah. but at
1: the same time. What we can trust only is uncertainty. That's what we can trust for sure. And so when, you know, you try and minimize all of the reality, one of my favorite quotes ever was that agile was invented because reality refuses to bow down to power.
0: Ah, (laughs) I like it. (laughs) It's so true, like, Trust is really important and it's the basis. And that's how you can build like a an organizational structure or a leadership model that more, from my point of view would be more natural because you as a leader have to pass the button and say, in this situation you know more, you be the leader and do it. And you cannot do it if you don't trust that person to do the right things. And you basically you give trust, especially if you're a true leader to each and every member of your team and say I know you're going to do the best work you're capable of and you're going to improve and I'm here to support you and it's not you're always driving aggrandizing yourself I'm going to be the greatest uh, I made this project work no we all made the project work and if it fails it's only you who failed. basically that's
1: my yep my 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 favorite thing that I say is that if the team succeeds, the team succeeds. If the team fails, I failed. Right. But also there's little failures in terms of what you're saying. The way you think about it is who's going to be up at two o'clock in the morning, fixing this if we're wrong. And if it's you, then I'm, you know, I'm going to place trust in you to do it. Not because I'm sure you're going to get it right, because you might not. But you're yes. the one that's going to be up at two o'clock in the morning fixing it because you got it wrong, right? I'm not going to be. You're going to be. And therefore, exactly. you know, being able to own the space of um, it's not. It's not just. It's not just sort of, it's not just the space of what we can do, but it's also the space of we're going to fix it if we break it. If we, if we, if we are, um, if we're responsible for something, then we're the one that's going to be held accountable for it, then the ability to effectively both do it and respond to mistakes needs to also, also be with that, with that person um, and I think that's a dance we do, right? Because oh, yes. I liked it before. Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and since we're broaching the subject of leadership uh, philosophy, what would be your leadership philosophy?
1: Well, one of the things that I love about this conversation is I feel like we've touched on them. Like, so it's a, it's a, it's yes. been a very enjoyable, <clears throat> just organically it's, it's coming out that, um, you know, my leadership philosophy is my human philosophy, right? Is that generally speaking, what I've found, and maybe I've been incredibly lucky or, but that most of the people that I work with and interact with are constantly growing their work. Like they would dive into and learn if, even if no one, even when no one's paying us, we still go figure things out, right? We kind of can't help ourselves and so the being paid for it part often is potentially noisy and interfering more so than actually <laughs> nourishing our ability to grow our, our work and our collective work. And so I see myself more as an orchestrator or if you think of a team as um, apple trees, then um, do we ha- are we getting enough water? Are we getting enough nourishment? Or is, there, is the ecosystem tweaked as strongly as we can um to be able to encourage um you know apples to really grow beautiful apples and the um the the i think the biggest thing and it's always kind of surprised me is that um there's a sense that that the people need leaders. And it kind of makes me chuckle because if you're the leader and the people who are doing the things and implementing yes. the things, if you go home, they'll probably keep doing and implementing the things. If they go home, you have no reason to be there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right? So who, you know, who's serving who here, right? In that situation. And I don't mean to say that leadership isn't just A a nourishing quality, right? That I have a very strong strategic mind and philosophical mind and logic mind, and I work very hard to develop those skills. And they are not soft skills, right? They are challenging skills to develop. Very
0: challenging.
1: And so I do think that I bear a tremendous amount of responsibility for the cultivation of very um, complex integration of a skill set so it isn't just and it's definitely not management I'm actually the truth is I'm not interested really in managing like I don't if I'm in a situation in which I need to care whether or not you're at your desk doing your work, then it's not going oh, to be a yeah, good yeah. fit because, you know, what yeah. do I know? You're going to, you know, when to, like. you
0: are, you're already failing as a leader in the situation. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And sometimes people need more support or need more like some, you know, and sometimes, sometimes you have to double down. But, you know, again, back to the parenting theme, we sort of have recreated grade school in the in the way that we think of how we organize people but working professionals are adults and generally what we need is structures in which we can be effective in doing what we do and grow and get stronger at doing what we do um and we need to develop our strengths but also we need support for our weaknesses um the idea that we can help people in their weak areas i think is usually not a very sound idea in the sense that if we focus on our strengths, we can make them grow very quickly. If we focus on our weaknesses, we get a little bit better. And so instead, I like to think about how you partner people in good ways so that somebody's particularly strong in one way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's another part of it is you building these dynamic relationships in which people are partnered in a way that the sum of, the parts is greater. They, they, you, know, you put two people together and you get three people's worth of work because their synergy and the way that they can, they can yes. look at a problem together increases. I think that's more important than what I personally bring to, to it. Although I'm also an expert too. So my, yeah, my, my input problem. is important too, but yeah.
0: And your job as a leader is to bring the right people together so they synergize and provide more value than yeah. they could individually. And I found it always interesting because I've witnessed it in, in some companies. If you treat your employees like children, they will behave like children. And you basically your company is going to be a kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And it's not fun <laughs> to, to be uh, in a professional setting and feel like, oh my God, I'm I'm in kindergarten here.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah the, the disrespect. And also, and I see this, even when it's not explicit and i see this pretty consistently um so often often now if i'm if i'm going into a situation and predominantly thinking about the systems architecture which is also the socio-technical architecture what what is often the case is that the type of people who will bring integrative leadership, which is what we're talking about, right? Orchestration, systems thinking, collective reasoning, um, building stronger teams, but also thinking about the technology in terms of moving it from sort of a monolith and silos and hierarchy into something more flexible, right? Is that the culture will, you'll end up having all of the people who think like that they'll be gone, like they won't, they won't still be there. And the culture is self-reinforced. And the people yes. that think in the ways that are hindering um, that kind of change that's necessary for the, for the tech to change they'll are the ones forever. who will have the strong voice, right? And that's, again, I think nobody's fault, but it is the idea. So the idea you can bring in one leader and sort of change everything is only true oh, if you're willing to do a massive amount of shakeup. You have to actually plant the seeds in a number of different areas so that you're growing the different type of leadership and the different type of voice that has um, has influence and is able to set different structures, different ways of doing things. And so it's really hard because by the time an organization is sort of drowning and needs a change. Um, They also, unfortunately, have lost the people already who could help them change, you know, and that, and you kind of don't see that happening, sort of like going gray. Like, it's not like you go gray (laughs) in one day, you know, and then eventually you're like, wow, I'm really gray now. Um, And so I I think that recognizing, that the leader changing leadership style um, is always going to be a part of changing technology, and that it's going to make organizations really uncomfortable because oh, they're yes. going to want more control they're going to want to control that change they're going to want to add more I hear the word concrete a lot they give us concrete, <laughs> concrete. answers concrete a oh, lot a lot i'm surprised it's not trending on twitter um, and concrete has its place for sure. Right. But it's not, it's what you need to be the most careful when you think of a piece of property and you're deciding where to put the house. Once you pour that concrete foundation, that's the house forever. So (laughs) you want to be very careful, but you also are of course going to pour a concrete foundation. Same when you're building a fence. And so I think that, Ha- allowing space to come to that realization, that insight about where the house can go and making a decision and then building the house and iterating from there is, is essential, but for most people are looking for that upfront. Show me all the answers so that as we go through the process, I don't have any questions and that's never, architecture is only questions. Right. it's Because <laughs> every answer, there are more questions. Right. So um, and I think that's leadership, too. Like leadership is the constant engagement with trying to come up with the best question to really illuminate the leverage point, like the, the question that will help unlock um, yeah. Which is nice because when I was a kid, it did not make me very popular that I said why to everything all the time. And now it's kind of but nice. It's to, important.
0: Yes. Yeah. And the thing that I love the most, like when talking with about projects and estimates and has to be concrete. Like we have to get this done in a year. So like maybe we can get it done in three months or six months. What should we do? Stretch it until the end of the year. So and sometimes it's going to be a year and a half. We don't know. We're going to find out. We'll, we'll strive for, for the deadline, but it can be faster or slower.
1: Right. It's never I love on that. point. <laughs> I love that phrase too. I really pick up. It's like that's kind of where I think of it. Is that, um I'm that tr- about trust, right? Like I don't know, but you can trust me to figure it out you can you exactly. know, trust us to figure it out like that's what we do we're gonna figure it out we we don't actually need to be certain because we can't be certain but we can be sound in and yes. we can uh, take responsibility for when we get it wrong because we will and adapt from there that there's a tremendous amount of strength in trusting that process more than a um concrete
0: yes and diana for um aspiring leaders, what would be your top three tips?
1: Well, I think, um, we, I think again, we, it's delightful that we've touched on yes. them, but, um, but that, that you depend on people more than they depend on you. Um, and that your, your success comes directly and consistently from other people's abilities, other people's yes. expertise. That. Every time we're successful at doing something, it comes because there are other technologists who have um, spent a tremendous amount of time oh, and yes. often their personal time understanding how to code and go, for example, right? They like could move towards microservices, or are going to do co. no one knows how to code and go. Somebody has really invested in that to enable that, that transition, and I think it's a very joyful thing to be a curator of other people's expertise. And, um, if we, if we remember that there's so much more we can do, right. We're our own minds is a limiting factor. Um, and I think we, we talked about this, the parenting thing. It's inter- I hear it really often. It came up recently, um, recently for, um, another one of, of, of our team where someone referring to um, the technologist as spoiled children or as a children. And it's like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. And I think it was a feeling. It was, a you know, that's what they were feeling. And that's very, I mean, we, yes. we, we, we don't always enjoy the process. Um, so this idea that a lot of what we think, it's kind of like, when we, before we have kids, we're all going to do it right. Like, we're not going to oh, do yes. it like our parents. They were going to do it right. And then we go into the situation and discover that the kids are just other people who only occasionally care what we say, oh, yes. right? And this is true in technology leadership. There's so many overlaps with, with parenting is that eventually building trust is the best part of the relationship. And there's never one tool that works all the time, but also that you're not forming other people. Other people are forming themselves and you are providing strength and maturity and whatever you have, you're providing whatever, whatever tools you have. Um, And then the last one is, and I'm, I'm totally serious about this and, and I love that I don't have to describe it very much because we've already talked about it. Whereas usually this is this, one. this idea is the hard sell, but developing self-awareness, right? That you are constantly reacting. You're con and you're react, you're usually reacting because you had a bad boss or because you don't understand, like we're constantly reacting to situations in unhelpful yes. kinds of ways and developing the ability to cultivate a more proactive ability and circumstances is a lifelong process and we do everybody in the world i think the most benefit when our primary practice is the quality of our own thinking and our own ability to know to know what the monkey symbols is 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 doing Um, and really trusting that Having developing a trusting relationship with your own reactions to things will become a trusting relationship with with other people. People really feel that they they know when you're when you're self aware and and when you're not. And there's no end to that practice. I mean, it's
0: yes, no there's
1: no end. Every and, time we think we know, we don't.
0: And a realization that I just had. Uh, to the, what you said is like, when you get a new person on a team or you assemble a team, they already come with a baggage from all the managers or the people that they work with. So, and most of them have been bruised in some way, so they're not uh, really that trusting and accepting. And you have to work to bridge that gap and make it realize this is a safe environment. You can express yourself. You can work together. All, all the good stuff to make it apparent to them like doesn't matter what happened to you in the past here we can you can have like a clean slate and build something awesome
1: yeah and and you know as you say that, I think, and most of that stuff comes mm-hmm. in bias because I tend to think about systems, but most of us have been harmed by systemic Issues, right, and you know, just yes. the way organizations can potentially make people feel small, or how they're treated, or um, you know, maybe a company ran out of money and everybody got made redundant, and it's nothing personal, but it certainly feels personal. <laughs> like it exactly. certainly feels personal. And so we we are um, we're trying like we're trying to do collective systems thinking work in a culture that is also simultaneously invested in developing power and in structure in a power way and so so often and then you know uh, the obvious place this conversation goes is being female in tech right there's less than 3% of yes. people who do what i do are female right and Which for a shame. long time in my career i was always the only woman in the room not anymore now i now Good. now I'm actually yeah yeah it's very it's very um uh it's it's it, and right now I'm working on a very dynamic um, working very dynamic architecture team that happens to be three women, which is never cool. like, that's never happened before. And it's not that we're trying to do that. I I don't personally I don't I don't I mean I don't genders one aspect of our difference but in fact we're very diff. we're more different in other ways than we are gender wise right so we the our backgrounds and and language and cultural experiences and the whether a visual person or an auditory yes. person and these tend to be more but we do live in a world that has a particular view that white males are thinkers, right? That's, that's, the, those, that's leadership. Mm. Like leadership has a body, right? And a, and a color and a gender. And, and that's actually not true, but, but we've got scars from that as well, right? And so creating, it's sort of like leadership is about creating space for people to, to work and be innovative and to think well and to think collectively. But we're also somewhat sheltering from the bad ideas that want to <laughs> that want to come yes. in and, and cause harm. And at the same time, we have to engage with some of those bad ideas because organizations have to organize. And so for example, hate OKRs and I can't write them to say I don't know why. They seem like how I think, but they're not I cannot, cannot, just <laughs> cannot get them right. I need someone to help I also me. hate them. Right? Right? But I can I do understand if they have value or how they have value and I'm fine to um participate in it um so we're you're sort of trying to figure out how to make the the demands of the people systems resonate really well with the with the way that the teams work And so that it's balanced, so it provides structure and not too much harm. And it's it's really hard. And people come from lots of different types of people systems, and those systems are more or less respectful of them as a person and respectful of their work. So, yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah. and it's good to have diversity. You get some of the best ideas and insights. Insights I got were from people that you wouldn't expect them to have them
1: right Ah. exactly exactly
0: so don't discount anybody for example I had um, a conversation with uh, a beggar and he gave me some really amazing life tips and you wouldn't expect to have that depth of knowledge and being able to capture something so so profound but it was really really insightful so never discount a person just by the looks of them Always, you talk with them, you get so much value.
1: Yeah, or the other, being an American right now, I'm a little discouraged by what people say, but <laughs> you're missing that part. I, the other piece that occurs to me is too is that, so I tend to put out a lot, of, like I'll say a lot, right? I'll put out ideas and I'll say a lot, whereas, um, whereas I have a, a very trusted colleague who will say one thing, generally in you know in a in an hour long kind of going things i say a lot of things and he might say like one or two things right but he's always right (laughs) and i envy that right it's sort of he's not he's not sort of fishing with ideas the way i do out loud he tends to consider them and so i think you know we this culture you know we live in a world um, i'm very introverted, but i'm I need a lot of solitude, but i 'm extroverted look, it
0: doesn't look
1: yeah, right because <laughs> i 'm extroverted in my communication style, right, but I actually find that very tiring. i do I spend a lot of time disconnected and not and not communicating mm. it's how I recharge, but it's really so so sort of being this mixed person has really made me realize this this question of introversion on a team versus extroversion. And, you know, the extroverts seem to get a lot of traction because they come up with a lot of ideas yeah. and introverted people are not. Whereas my experience has been that the right idea is the idea, you know, the strongest idea is the one you want to, to really hear and that, That doesn't necessarily come from the one who's making the most noise. Uh, Yeah,
0: that's so true. And then I know you've read a lot and you've invested in yourself. So I'm really curious, what is the book that had the most profound impact on you?
1: So the book I carry around, like literally carry around with me, is um, um, Janela Meadows' Thinking in Systems, which is... she and it it was posthumously published she wasn't quite finished with it um but i think it's not specifically about technology but the patterns of everything we talked about today the the articulation of this kind of thing is very much in that book also there's another called design unbound and i'm sorry i don't the 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 um The author and authors escape me but there's two volumes and one volume is um, about emergence and again it's not specifically about technology there's technology in it but so much of what we're talking about here and so much of what I need to understand in content systems um, is very much in that in that book then I have all the ones that everybody else would say right but (laughs) those are my two yeah
0: and the hidden gems
1: yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, they're very, very bit. to
1: me. They speak very strongly to me. Yeah.
0: And Diana, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go?
1: Well, um, so in social media, the place I inhabit is Twitter. So it's at Diana Montalian on Twitter and um, join the conversation. It tends to be a very good space. Like I know, Twitter generally has <laughs> is problematic, <laughs> but there's a lot of people who think this. Well, we got connected actually via Twitter, Pete. Like that's kind of how this this yes. part happened. So I found it. I have found it very nourishing that community. So I would invite that. Um, and our company is Metrics Group, um, and so. If people are specifically want to talk to me about the kinds of services that you know we do—content systems, building teams—that then um, oh, sure. Diana at MentrixGroup.com.
0: Great, I'll put uh, all this information in the show notes so people can uh, more easily find you. Oh, one more! I forgot.
1: It. So yeah, right. Cool. So right. So um. So I've been very nourished by um the domain-driven design community. I gave a talk in Amsterdam, um, before oh, nice. we all stopped leaving the house. And so, virtual DDD community is um, developing more. Um, online kinds of experiences so I gave a talk on argumentation there that said a lot of what you and I said like you were saying things that were in my slides which is awesome (laughs) Um, and then so we there's an upcoming workshop but definitely to uh, check out the DDD community and the things happening there because there's a lot of good things including more work I'll be doing there Yeah.
0: and the DDD community can be found at
1: well, specifically, these have been happening in virtual DDD. Um, so virtualddd.com. But there is, there will be the, uh, the American conference, annual conference in September, which will probably be online. And then the European con- conference early next year. And I don't know what, what that would be. Um, and so any doorway you enter um, from will connect you doorway. with a very similar community. Yeah, yeah
0: awesome diana it's been a true pleasure having you on the show my mind is blown i got so much insight from you thank you very much
1: thank you it was wonderful to it was it was wonderful for me very wonderful to um uh yeah it was a great hour thank you
0: (laughs) okay bye 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 that was today's episode tune in daily rate like subscribe and share please oh you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techileadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.